Welcome to the inaugural Silver Rainbow podcast, Aging Fabulously, presented by LGBTIQ Health Australia. Developed specifically for the aged care workforce, this podcast will tackle common issues experienced by LGBTI seniors, share personal stories and discuss practical tips on how you can better support older LGBTI people. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on sovereign Aboriginal land, and I acknowledge Elders past and present. I'm recording on Darug and Gundungurra land, and we have two guests today, Michelle Wiki joining us from Gadigal land, and Ashwin Kanaya joining us from Camaragal land. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. In this episode, we'll be discussing palliative care for LGBTI older people. Palliative care can occur within residential settings, hospice settings, or hospital settings. It's important for practitioners and aged care workers to understand LGBTI older people's experience in accessing palliative care services, how to have good conversations around palliative care with LGBTI older people, and practical ways to deal with LGBTI-specific family conflict. I'm your host, Maeve Marsden, and I'll be joined today, as I said, by two guests who between them have a wealth of experience in this arena. Michelle Wiki is the General Manager Learning and Development at St Basil's Aged Care Homes, New South Wales and the ACT. Michelle has held senior roles in workforce capability, including upskilling aged care staff in diversity, inclusivity and cultural awareness. She's an experienced educator, presenter and facilitator with a passion for advocating in the LGBTQI plus arena. Ashlyn Kanaya is a general practitioner based in Newcastle, New South Wales, with a special interest and passion in geriatric medicine, dementia and chronic and complex medical case management. He's just commenced specialist training to be a palliative medicine physician and is currently working in Greenwich Hospital in Sydney. He's been living and working as a GP in rural and metropolitan Newcastle Hunter regions in the past five years, and one of his lifelong goals is to advocate for timely and earlier palliative care involvement in community and residential dementia patients. Welcome, Ashwin and Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. What concerns do older LGBTI people have about accessing palliative care? Michelle? In my experience, I'm in a residential aged care facility or organisation, and I think the biggest thing really is having conversations that are open and honest, not only about that palliative care in those stages, but then who gets to be involved as maybe they can't make decisions themselves and need to engage those loved ones around them to make those decisions and how those people be respected. That's really what we're seeing in this space. Ashwin, would you agree with that? 200%. I completely concur with what Michelle said. And just to add on that, just from my experience, even working in general practice, when I have terminal cancer patients who have to enter a palliative care setting, the question of sexual orientation or gender identity very often comes up when they've come to their general practitioner instead of having spoken with their specialists. And therein lies the conundrum of the importance of trust and feeling that you as a patient can open up to your doctor about your personal aspects of your life. That's a really big key factor. And also when it comes to the legal ramifications of having um, discussions on your substitute decision maker. 
So how do we start a conversation around palliative care with an older LGBTI person? I think starting those conversations, a bit like an icebreaker, we actually need to break into those moments and work out where what the level of trust is with the care providers and the person in our case, the consumer. Firstly, getting pronouns correct is really important of the loved one, of the partner, of the consumer themselves and negotiating those conversations. That they are the foundations of trust for us with people from LGBTI backgrounds or within the community and then working out who are the key players moving forward. I think building that rapport and understanding that there is trust for us in residential aged care, the number of carers or care providers from medical down to personal care really varied and they change every day and having to go into those conversations every time is exhausting and tiring probably the last thing you want to do so getting that right from the start making sure the back end in terms of the communication between the care providers has been collaborative so we all know what to be doing saying and and our reference points are supportive and trust field as we re-enter those conversations every day with with that consumer are really important starting points. Yeah, we we had a conversation in an earlier episode about ensuring that the intake forms had the right fields for getting things like pronouns or preferred name if it's not your legal name, the gender of a partner. And that way, as you say, when there's multiple staff, if that key data is in the system rather than something the consumer has to constantly advocate for, that's surely a help. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Ashwin, what's your take on how we start these conversations about palliative care with LGBTI older people? Yeah, so I'm quite fortunate, Maeve, because, um, you know, also having an interest in being a, a hormone prescriber for gender reaffirming hormone therapy, myself and my colleague in our practice in Newcastle, we do have the fortune of having had process management modifications to how our practice is set up in terms of having reception staff ask patients on, on, on registration um, to actually ask them what their chosen pronouns are. And the pronoun is inserted in inverted commas in, uh, as, as a middle name, just a flag for whichever doctor or nurse is seeing that patient to already have that sensory awareness of, of the patient's pronouns. And when it comes to history taking, I totally agree with Michelle. This has to be gotten smacked down from the get-go of the first appointment or the first conversation to set the tone. I think it comes down to a grassroots level of incorporating sensitive questions that not all doctors and nurses might be comfortable with and normalize these questions in everyday scenarios. A really good example tip that I tend to give people is when you're trying to raise someone's sexual orientation or gender identity, raise these questions during the social history aspect of getting to know the patient in the same breath as asking them about alcohol, cigarette use, social history, or any substance use screening or mental health history ask that in a normative, fluent way so that the patient themselves feels that this is part of a regular, normal conversation assessment and not a very awkward, uncomfortable, separate question. Yeah, I think that's a really salient point, Ashwin, when you point out that these questions should be for everyone, questions around pronoun use or the gender of a partner shouldn't just be when somebody gets the inkling that a consumer might be gay or transgender. They should be part of everyday processes so that people don't feel singled out. And maybe if I can also add on, like as a GP, even as a junior GP in training in Rural Hunter, there were many long-standing patients of practices. I was working in regional Newcastle who were flagged as heterosexual. But when I joined the practice, 
I incorporated my routine sexual health screening questions and gender identity questions. And you'd be surprised the number of male and female patients who came up to me as having um, sex with the same gender, which were not documented for years on that practices books. So it just goes to show that a simple question goes a really long way. Yes, and the ability to have trust in your workers so that you can have an open conversation like that is is so important. A lot of the things we're discussing kind of speak to broader care. They speak to the whole picture of aged care. Are there specifics to the palliative care process where people should be considering their LGBTI older people differently? I think for the lived experience of the LGBTI cohort, there is more to it than just that foundational aspect and and I and I want to agree with the commission to say well maybe there's not but but there really is having conversations not having to repeat conversations around who is a loved one that makes these choices maybe when that consumer is beyond making choices for themselves knowing confidently that in the next room there won't be an argument between their partner and their biological family or their you know family of choice and their next of kin there's a sense of comfort or peace about knowing that that won't happen because these things have already been addressed by the care providers they've already been listened to in a way that has been implemented so when you get to that point of palliative care when you're making comfort measures and in those last stages you know I think there is those steps further and what I've heard some of the the most enjoyable moments in those last times or seasons of palliative care is how you're addressed, how you're touched, how you're engaged with physically. And we need to take that step further with where we have carers that are happy to paint nails on a male consumer, that are happy to put the pink cardigan or the furry pink scarf around um, the trans man and not question or not think it's weird or not make a big deal of it because these are comfort measures in what is one of the most vulnerable points in time. So I think it's just thinking about what matters, those small moments as well as those big medical decisions and what have we done in the space for all the care providers to engage in those moments. Yeah, I really love that, that notion that it's not just about providing care or doing what's asked of you, but doing it supportively and doing it without kind of question. And yeah, the example of painting nails, these are these things that go beyond medical care. and It's so important. Ashwin, what does best practice palliative care look like for an LGBTI older person in your experience? I think as a healthcare practitioner myself, one of the salient steps to start off with that I often find quality palliative care discussions, paradigms are based on advanced care planning. I'm a strong advocate for advanced care planning. That's the very often golden opportunity when a trust is built for them to divulge their sexual orientation or pronouns and uh, a gender identity with you. And it, it, it becomes a whole domino cascading effect of opening Pandora's box, so to speak, about learning about every other facet of the patient that probably was never unearthed until now. So I think in terms of good quality palliative care, I think everything starts with having good discussions uh, with regards to goals and values of what of the patient in front of you has. And once that trusting relationship around their goals and values are established, you're very, very likely to have them confide in you in terms of what their sexual orientation or gender identity 
is and then move on with familiarizing yourself with what is normal for that for the patient in front of you and what their respects and wishes are. Look, in terms of LGBTQI plus health, this is an ever rapidly growing area. This research being published every day, guidelines being published every day. But you can have the best guidelines on the planet, but cultural change takes time. And that has to happen at a grassroots level, not just at a healthcare practitioner or nursing level, but from a humanitarian level in general. And yeah, I love the beautiful analogy that Michelle gave about a carer, you know, being comfortable painting a male patient's nails. And that's exactly what I concur with in asking these questions in a non-confrontational, non-judgmental, or just being comfortable in yourself in showing that this is second nature for you as a carer even. And this just this takes time, education and cultural change. While we are waiting for the slow wheel of change, what's one practical tip that each aged care worker can use in their day-to-day work to better serve LGBTI older people? Ashwin? So my best advice is one really good practical tip is never assume that you are aware about a patient's gender identity, sexual orientation, And always set the tone with open-ended questions to ask the patient when it comes to the appropriate time of taking initial patient history when you're clocking them, whether they're in a residential care facility or in a clinic, to include these open-ended questions in their social history. That's, in my experience, the most golden opportunity when a patient is very, very likely to divulge that information about themselves. Michelle, one practical tip from you. Yeah, I guess I would echo a bit of Ashwin's commentary. You know, the lowest standard would be to neutralise all of your language. You can always be led into a pronoun, whether that be about the partner or about themselves, from a neutral place, much easier than it is for the consumer to have to counter your assumption. So just neutralising your partner, your loved one, neutralise the pronouns for the consumer until they have led you to the pronouns and neutralize your activities don't think nail painting is for the female consumers don't think that leather jacket is (laughs) is for the male consumer just open it all up have those conversations the worst case is that someone's going to say no and lead you back to the binary so be it but for that person that's in the most vulnerable experience it'll be much easier and much more comfortable for them to lead you into their space Thank you so much, Michelle and Ashwin, for joining us and discussing this today. Thank you to all of you for tuning in and for making time in your day to learn how to better support LGBTI older people. You can access LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia's palliative care fact sheet on the LHA website under Silver Rainbow. Mm-hmm.